For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The passion for the world's beautiful game has never been stronger. And now there is one place to get all your insight, analysis, and hot topic discussion. Especially if you're a fan of the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy, or their heated rival, LAFC. It's time to roll out the ball and kick things off here on the Believe Podcast Network. Now, here are your hosts, former MLS goalkeeper Dan Kennedy and soccer broadcast veteran Mark Rogandino. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. <laughs> yes, just like the MLS teams who took a week off from MLS play, actually a couple of weeks with the Gold Cup break. Uh, Dan Kennedy and I are back here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Mark Rogan, Dino DK, back in the house with you here. And wow. uh, DK, it's nice It's nice to be back with you. Hey, we deserved a week well off, just, break. just like some of the MLS players. So well now deserved break. Now we're back and we can get this thing ramped back up. Is that we hit the midway point really of this 2019 MLS season? It's hard to believe that we've already played almost four months of MLS soccer. Yeah, and it, it it feels like for some teams we're still trying to figure out if they're any good or not. Um, Galaxy Galaxy included in that. Um, but seasons seasons marching on and uh, Open Cup international break um i remember you know just being a player in, in major league soccer and getting this uh moment to catch your breath and um and and kind of reshift your focus on on the the challenge ahead because Jul- july and july and august are really tough i i would have to think tk that that most teams yes they welcome this break but maybe even a team like LAFC, the way that they're revving that engine in fifth gear and just smashing through teams week after week. Do you think for those types of players, they're thinking, yeah, I can take a little three-week rest, or do we want to keep it going? Well, I think it, when you have momentum and confidence, you want it, you you want to keep it going. But the important thing to understand is the they're going to have international call-ups. Guys are going to get – I mean, they already sent Horta packing. Um, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, but the the deck just gets shuffled a little bit, and I think and, and there was a little publicity around LAFC's focus with Open Cup, but I think what happens is when you take that early lead and you distance yourself from the field, then you have the luxury to focus on on Open Cup, and then you also have the break. So when you don't have an MLS game breathing down your neck at the weekend, and you line up for the first round. Um, of Lamar Hunt Open Cup, you can now roll out a, a, a closer to a first team than maybe you would if it was a midweek game during regular season. And, and that might change further on in the tournament. You, you've hit a couple of, as we like to call in the business, teases here so far. You mentioned Andre Horta. <laughs> uh, we will also hit on the LA Galaxy um, in search of an Argentine player. We'll tell you a little bit about that. We're going to talk U.S. Open Cup, but I want to back up a little further before we get to that, all that stuff. And since we are almost four months into this 2019 season here in Major League Soccer, um, I thought we would take a little bit of a step back away from just week-to-week results and examine 
examine each of these two Southern California MLS clubs uh, as a whole through 16 games and what we have seen from them in three and a half months of MLS play. So why don't we start with uh, LAFC since they are top of the table, 37 points through 16 games and only one DK, only one of two MLS teams that only have one loss the entire season. I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you name the other? It's got to be Seattle. It's not Seattle. It's NYCFC. Oh, that's right. And yeah, those two, the tie. Yeah, but yeah, they have eight yeah. ties. They have eight yeah. draws, including a 2-2 draw against mm-hmm. LAFC uh, all the yeah. way back in, in March. Uh, when you look at LAFC, as I mentioned, they have been running through teams. Their latest MLS result, uh, a 3-2 win in newly renovated Providence Park, the first home game of the season for the Portland Timbers. It didn't seem to bother the black and gold, though, because they ran through that game. Right. Yeah, and they— I mean, spectacular. I, I I really tuned in for that game live, which I don't always have the luxury to do, but spectacular venue. I mean, I was overwhelmed with with how that turned out for Portland, uh, for the Timbers there, and um, I thought that it would give them a shot in the arm, but we talked about it leading up to that game. I just LAFC is too good, man. And they create too many opportunities, and that field breeds it breeds goals. There's always a lot of goals there. It's a small field. It's a great atmosphere. Surface plays quickly, um, and it man, you said it, and I, I never really realized this, but uh, up until that game, and you you prepped me a little bit with it, but the rivalry that is brewed there. I mean, it was such a chippy game. Oh, the second half and the way those two teams got into it, right between the benches. I mean, he had Ante Razov again up off the bench, and he's just in the face uh, of, of some of the players and 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 the players themselves going back and forth. And obviously, there was some some so fallout. There was some big... fallout following all of that. Some disciplinary action, nothing too severe. Um, but you know what we're going to have to keep track of through the rest of the season is is how many times do goalkeepers give LAFC a gimme in the yeah. early part of the game? Yeah. Evan Bush a few weeks right. ago does it when when Montreal is in town at Bank of California Stadium. In this game, Jeff Antonella for the opening goal to Carter. You can't give the league's leading goal scorer. You can't serve it out on a silver platter to him and say, okay, come in and one-on-one and see if you're going to beat me. That's exactly what Vela will do. Yeah, and this is, you know, the coaches are, are asking goalkeepers to, to play out. And it doesn't that doesn't give you the excuse that, oh, I'm trying to play out and, you know, mistakes happen. I mean, you, you I, I just don't understand how that mistake happens. Um there, it was just a complete uh, brain fart, for lack of a better term. I'm okay with that term. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> spot him. You spot him a goal, and then you're in trouble. I mean, I, I remember giving up one goal like that, Rogues, in my career, where I tried to do a no-look uh, pass with my uh, – like throwing the ball out, like give the eyes up the middle of the field, and then sp- spray it out, to, out, out wide to my – my defender and we were in a tough spot with the Chivas when it happened and man, it just, it killed the game. It killed the game. Um, and, and, uh, LAFC are just too good. The one thing Rogue's been, Carlos Vela has to get protection. I mean, there should have been red cards in that game. It's not the first time you could say that, too, about this season, right? I mean, there's there's been uh, plenty of tackles where Bob Rowley has been very animate in his uh, postgame comments where he has said, listen, Carlos Vela, one of the best players in our league, has come up to me three games in a row now and said, good thing I stepped over that tackle or my leg would be or my leg would be broken right now. 
Um, and, and, and and going back to the game itself, uh, you have to give credit to LAFC because they uh, they continued on and stayed hard pressing against Portland. Uh, really took the crowd out of it early. Rossi got a second one uh, for LAFC to make it two nothing at halftime. Uh, but but again, if you step back and you look at what LAFC is doing. Put your coaching hat on for a minute. Where do you see a weakness in this team right now, Dan? If there is one. Number nine. I mean, the the, the, the point forward. The only way they can improve this team, in my mind, is to go find a point forward. And, uh, I mean, I, Alan Gordon would be, oh. uh, would be, like, Alan Gordon five years ago would be the perfect point forward for this team. Gordo, uh, de- getting another de- shout out here, I decent, believe. Decent with his feet can hold the ball up battles and then just a box crasher. Um, so you, I, I'm not saying that they even need someone spectacular, but they need someone that can, that can do the job because uh, yeah, they, they, they've just been searching up to this point with uh, Christian Ramirez and, and um, Adama Diamande. And, yeah. Diamande. And, and, but is that what it is, Dan? Is it a, is it a, a poacher of sorts um, for that number nine position, right? Because there's so much talent all over the field. I'm not necessarily sure you want a player that you're playing through all the time, right? You want a guy that fills in the gaps that Vela, right. Ro- Rossi, uh, you know, that the midfield, like, Atuesta, the, the, K, the, the, the gaps that those guys miss, you need that guy just to be able to get a couple in there outside of that, right? I, I mean, how many goals – if you told Chris Wondolowski that he's going to go play for LAFC and and if Bob goes to Chris and says, listen, Chris, I don't need you ever dropping back into midfield to get a ball. Like, I don't care if you touch the ball at all. My The only time I want you to touch the ball is when you're inside the 18-yard box. And Chris just stayed high, occupied center backs, and led the defensive pressure because, dude, Chris works. Wando works. Right. Um, And then just clean it up. Just clean it up. I mean, it, 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 talk about – poacher that would work in the system it's him we had some we had somebody on here i think it was you even that was talking about wanda right and john terry in the in the, in the mls all-star game was mm-hmm. talking about dude i've played against world-class forwards right. and the runs your that you're movement. making your movement, movement the runs you're making with the ball not even around you are causing me problems but boy would that guy fit in perfectly right. with LAFC? yeah he sure he sure would uh, yeah, so, that's that's it. I mean, so I mean, whether we're working towards Horta at this moment or not, I, I think that's got to be the. Um, if I'm Thorington, if I'm Bob Bradley, that has to be the intention. First of all, you had a DP that that wasn't fitting in. That it doesn't mean he's not a great player. Um, certainly, there's international demand for him, but uh, he he wasn't fitting in. So get get rid of him and now go and and make a run at someone in the summer to give you a push. Well, one and one of the luxuries that we have here on Believe with with having you as my partner here, Dan, is not only are you a handsome man, partner. but but uh, but but you know the ins and outs of of the salary cap and how certain player movements work. So, and I might be setting you up here just on the spot again. Uh, now that he's a DP, he's been loaned back to Portugal to go play to Braga. We're, we're going to continue on with LAFC here and talk about uh, the movement, the player movement with Andre Horta being sent back this past week back to Portugal. Um, is is that an open DP slot or because he's still on the books and it's typically or it's classified as a loan back to Braga, can LAFC – LAFC now has to wait till the transfer window opens in July, correct, to then actually make a permanent move or find a way to open up that DP slot to maybe search for a true number nine. 
Yeah, uh, you rogues, you got me. This is a this is a stump. Um, I am I would anticipate that this is an open DP spot for the remainder of the season, and the loan is for the the remainder of the season. So Correct. What, it is what, that it yeah, is. Yeah. So so what that does then is it puts um, LAFC in this position uh, that LA Galaxy was in um, this season, where they would potentially have Horta off loan in 2020 and then have four DPs and have to make a decision on uh, on holding, um, paying out or transferring one of those uh, four DPs leading up into the next season. That's what I would anticipate. I, I don't know the exact um, rules for it, but that that's how I would interpret it from from seeing player movement in the past. So go get a DP if you want. Um, but you're going to have to address it at, at some point in the near future. Well, so, so on the LAFC conversation there, let, let, let's pause on that. And I will, along with you, we'll do some due diligence heading into next week's podcast. Uh, number one, to clarify exactly how that ruling works. But also number two, uh, I can put my ear to the ground and see if we have any names maybe that are rumbling uh, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere out there with, with the possibility. I mean, you, you, you got to think. If you look at LAFC, and this this will be the last note on them, is I mean, where else would you look? Their midfield is stacked, right? Lee Wynn can he, he just he got in in the Open Cup game, which we'll talk about, but he's he's not getting in to the starting eleven in MLS play. Uh, as far as defenders go, they've got a good stack of defenders back there. They have uh, El Munir that can come in and play at the outside back. All of a sudden, Tristan Blackman is playing well right. as, an, as an as an outside back role, uh, stepping in for for Betashore. So. You know, and 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 goalkeeping through Tyler Miller has has been solid for for now one and a half seasons. So you have to think that is the one spot that Thorington and LAFC is looking, at and, we'll, and we'll certainly see what we can figure out. So let's hop over to Carson, California, and talk about the Galaxy. Uh, you kind of alluded to it as far as your opening comments about figuring out what teams are for real, to use your terms. Uh, they have been up and down this season. We've seen flashes, especially when Zlatan is on, where they are good and they 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 can get it figured out at both ends of the field. But we've also seen like their recent loss at home to New England, their loss at home to the Colorado Rapids. We've seen them uh, almost rock bottom and completely lost. Yeah, we. I mean, rock bottom is a is a drastic term for a point in 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 time, and the uh, the point in time this season. Uh, I thought they were rock bottom was against Colorado. Uh, and then New England actually played a decent game um, and executed and beat beat the Galaxy. Uh, they still seem a team that are searching for their identity. Uh, they still seem a team that players within the squad are not quite certain whether it's of themselves or the system. Um, or just with the path that they're they're going down, like Joe Corona has been a decent signing, but I, I don't I just think he's a complimentary player. Um, you 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 really made a move to go get him, and the impact hasn't hasn't blown me away. Uh, Rolf Felcher, I mean, he's a decent outside back, uh, but I still. He's in and out with injuries, and he 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 hasn't quite taken that position and made me think like, oh, they got a lockdown outside back. And so now, uh, what I think where the Galaxy are at realistically is that they're probably not as good as is their point total up to the midway um, point of the season here. 
and in fact, yeah, I would say they're definitely not as good as, as the amount of points they, they have. They got hot and it, and it's given them some breathing room to go and figure things out. And it, again, it's going to be come back to a signing. Can they go and, and make a big splash here and get someone that compliments Fabio Alvarez? I do think Fabio Alvarez is, is going to make an impact in this league. Um, is he going to be as good as a Diego Piatti? Um, I'm not sure, but uh, it's going to take some time to play out. So this Galaxy team, I mean, I, I think they're I think they're a playoff team when I watch the Western Conference and um, I really do believe that they're a playoff team, but they are, are are not consistent to this point yet. Let me let me let me go ahead and you made a great point initially off my opening statement about the Galaxy there uh, and back off and say yes, you're correct. Rock bottom would be a bit extreme. Uh, because you're right. it, they, they are they are second right now in, right. in the Western Conference table, given right. it is nine points behind LAFC. But yes, through 16 games, they got 28 points. I think probably the most concerning thing for me as a guy who has watched the Galaxy for 15 plus plus years, you know, religiously had a chance to cover them for seven seasons, uh, is the home form. Uh, I just I just feel like you, you you can't you can't lose those type of games at home. Well, in this league, that's kind of how it's built, is it's really hard to go and get results on the road. And for the last three years, for whatever reason, um, the Galaxy's home record has, has, has wavered. And it used to be so hard, even when the Galaxy were were early Beckham era and the team was struggling, it was still hard to come at the time. It was StubHub Center to, to – or yeah, it was StubHub Center. Was it wasn't the Home Depot Center when Beckham arrived? HDC, StubHub uh, Center, yeah. D- Dignity Jeez. Health Sports Park. I mean, and, and, and it was still a hard place to go get points. Always. Um, and now it's you see those points slipping away, and 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 it just there's been so much turnover, man. And so the there the championship feeling has kind of slipped through the cracks, and um and now this team does have the quality to go and bang some some points on the road and that's what they've done this season but it begs the question of okay on the road they're playing a little bit more conservative a little bit more in their defensive shell they try to go nick something they don't leave themselves exposed defensively and they actually have a pretty good record to show for it so is that how is that how they should be you know approaching some of these games at home now their home record is six and three it's not like it's it's terrible but the biggest problem is rogues they've won two out of the last seven games so that's and, the biggest problem. It's yeah, it's it, it's where are they going to go in the next seven? And 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 I mean, if we're being fair, a team like the Galaxy in the past, they lose three home games all season, right? And so they've already lost three home games to this. Yeah. They could go on. They could go on a run. They could they could win their last eight at home. They could. That's very well possible. Well, and and when you look at the top, when you look at the top six teams in the in the Western Conference, LAFC, zero losses at home. Seattle Sounders, zero losses at home. Houston Dynamo, zero losses at home. FC Dallas, Minnesota FC, one loss at home. So the Galaxy sitting in second place, three losses at home. And and that over the course of the season, like now they have to go and scalp two road games to make that up. Um, so that when, when the season starts to play out, it, be, it becomes a little more of an uh, uphill climb because they've lost home court advantage on a couple games. And, and I thought, and we discussed it probably a month or two ago right here uh, on the pod, we talked about the fact that 
um, this this looked like a team that had started to figure it out defensively. Like they weren't going to win games four to two, three to two, three one. They were looking like they were starting to trend in the direction of a team that'll win games two nil, that'll win games one nothing. Are you more concerned about what they're doing at the attacking end? Or are you more concerned about what they're doing defensively? It's just inconsistent across the board, Rose, to be honest. I mean, they at times, David Bingham's come up huge. The defense has been locked down. And then, for whatever reason, they'll fall apart and just give up a bunch of goals in two games. Uh, and then the goals will come in spurts, and then they won't come at all. Ibra, I mean, he he's he, he's without a doubt one of the best players in this league. Every single no question. Game. No Out question. Every single game, but he he's still his his goal scoring record this year has has quite a few penalty kicks and and notching some of those goals. So he's not getting as much service as he needs. If he was to get more, um, he's obviously more goals would come of it because of his conversion ratio. But I, I'm starting to think that like you got to you got to give this Efrain Alvarez a, a, a run. And and you got to make sure that you're doing everything you can to keep Jonah Dos Santos fit. As long as Ibra's fit, um, you got to get someone on the field that can serve him the ball. And no one's been able to do that consistently. And I, I will say this about Ibra. I mean, yes, he is world class, but uh, and I would liken it to what you saw with the L.A. Lakers and LeBron James, a guy that for the most part of his career, with the exception of the knee injury at Manchester United, has been able to stay relatively healthy through a long and very successful right. career with both club and country. And going into this, I cover the NBA and going into this NBA season, all these people were asking me about the Lakers. And I said, you know what? LeBron has never been injured and missed a chunk of games. Right. And that team was completely different when he was not on the court. And it, I think you see that with the Galaxy. They're a completely different team, whether it's part of its mental, but obviously tactical, what they can do and their ability to do certain things successfully when he's not on the field. I mean, if he's going to stay on the field, I, I like them to be able to go far and upset some teams and do some damage. Right. But if he's, not, if he's not on the field, DK, it's going to be a very steep uphill climb, in my opinion. Yeah, and and, and so because of that, my anticipation is Galaxy need to go and will go splash from cash to uh, to to make a really bold signing. Well, we, we talked about a little player movement for LAFC with Andre Horta going back to Portugal to join Braga. Uh, some rumors kind of floating around that maybe L.A. Galaxy looking in the direction of Argentina and uh, Christian Pavon, the name from Boca Juniors down there, uh, an Argentine international. What do you know? Well, I mean, he, he's good enough at uh, tw- 22 years old to make the, the World Cup roster for a star-studded um, Argentina side. And he's been at Boca for for five years. He's obviously produced an attacking talent, plays on the wings, can, can probably switch and play underneath uh, a striker. And so, I, I mean, it's 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 still uh, to me, it, it makes it would make sense. Right. Um, we got the Scalotto brothers who know. Uh, this league well they have some personal relationship with this particular player Uh, can they sneak him on loan from Boca because I think that's probably the most realistic first step I'm not sure the Galaxy are going to come out and splash some potential 50 million dollar price tag that this guy has uh, wrapped around his neck Um, so it's going to have to be a creative deal I think uh, from from a, a, a transfer standpoint but he fits the mold of, of what the Galaxy needs, something to, to complement Fabio Alvarez um, and, and maybe not just a, 
uh, a real young player, uh, but someone that that has a little bit more uh, confidence and, and experience under his belt. I think that one of the key statements you just made right there is is the Scalotto brothers. They obviously mm-hmm. not only have a relationship probably with the player, but obviously with the club, Boca Juniors. Right. So that might, you know, I mean, you never know. Maybe that's how you kind of you have that channel start to open up where players can come one way and come up to Major League Soccer. And maybe you've got some young talent that can go down and, and join the academy and play down there as well uh, in, in the years to come. Yeah. And from Boca Jr. standpoint, if you think about if you think about their perspective on a loan deal to the Galaxy and, and the exposure behind it is that if if. Pavone was to come to the Galaxy on loan and and do really well. Uh, it's only going to inflate his international transfer price. Uh, that's the reality of it. If you can show sure. that you can come to the Major League Soccer and, and have a have, have a big impact in such a different league than than the Argentina Premier Division, then you'll um, it's it's another notch on your belt, and you'll likely uh, become more exposed uh, to the European clubs because we've seen it now. Almiron. Um, big transfer to Newcastle. There, there's a bunch of sharks uh, circling the waters here for young talent. And those young talented players, the majority of them, uh, the reality come out of South America now. Speaking of young talent, uh, a lot of that young talent for both LAFC or the LA Galaxy as well as the rest of the MLS clubs gets an opportunity uh, when U.S. Open Cup play comes around. We have now dipped into the stage, I believe it's the fourth stage to be precise, fourth round, where MLS teams get to jump into the fold. Uh, I want some broad strokes first here, DK. As a player that spent a decade, almost a decade in this league, did you like when U.S. Open Cup play came around, or was it like, oh god, we gotta th- we gotta think about this and and extra training and extra matches is gonna take a toll on my body? Uh, well, no, I was never worried about the toll it was gonna take on my body. Um, these these games are tricky, rogues, and the position we were often in at Chivas was that they were they were it was tough to find. A game where it was a win-win situation, like we had nothing to lose, right? Um, for these uh, for these teams that are not major major league soccer teams, there's literally nothing to lose, and you get their best games. So you have to approach this thing the right way. And if you think that you're gonna just oh cruise through this match, the game's gonna go to penalty kicks, and they're gonna, <laughs> you know, it's up to anybody. So um, I didn't always like the approach that the coaches I had took for this tournament. I felt like it was something that we could have taken more seriously at times. Um, I think this tournament with the history behind it could be something really special if it was taken more seriously. And now ESPN has coverage on it um, nearly every game, certainly every game that the Gal- or that the uh, Major League Soccer teams are playing in. I think that's a good first step in the right direction. Um, and then when you put when you place the the first round for MLS teams in a break, I think that's another good strategic decision uh, by the league and, sure. and, and, the, and the schedulers because it wasn't always that way. I mean, we would, you know, fly to Raleigh, North Carolina, to play the Railhawks on a Wednesday night after getting, you know, a- after playing uh, Houston in Houston, and it was um, you would not set teams or players up for success in this environment. Um, so now it's 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 iterated a few times. Uh, it's getting better. Um, you know, Rogues scored a goal in the Open Cup. You know, penalty no way. Kick. Yeah, come on, man. 
Come on, Penalty share, kick? share, <laughs> share. The, the fans want to yeah, hear this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can't even remember. It, it was at Cal State Fullerton, so it must have been first round. And we were doing, I think we'd missed like three penalty kicks in a row. And, of course, it was with El, Ch- El Chalice. So we did a penalty kick competition in training that week. And, of course, and reality had it where I won it. And he goes, okay, well, you, you're our captain. You take our penalty kicks from here on out. And so we played this Open Cup game, Cal State Fullerton. Out. Who knows we were play- who we were playing. And wait, uh, wait, just, so, the, so the game actually goes to penalties? No, or, no, or no, no. There's, we a, gotta, there's a penalty in the middle yes, of the 90 minutes. Yes, yeah. Le- legend, zero, legend. Zero, zero. 70th minute, we get a penalty. I run, you know, 90 yards up the field, step up, and I'm like, okay, do I place it? I had like I have like three penalties, and it's basically – Option one, just pound it, just rip it right up the middle as hard as you can. Option two is like a little, a little change up chip, same exact approach as the pound, but a little change up chip, uh, and chop it across my body. And it's a little floater that goes to the, to the goalkeeper's right, but it's just a timing thing. And it's hard for goalkeepers to time it because you dive to the right and then the ball floats over you. Um, or I go like, uh, just a little slice, uh, Matt Reese style upper, upper left-hand corner from, from the goalkeeper side. Open and so I just open the hip and kind yeah. of, well, after, after a 95 yard run, I was freaking out of breath. So I stood up there and I was like, well, I just got to pound it, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, put it in the back of the net. We won that game. One, nothing. Uh, uh, speaking of, speaking of, um, uh, cup sets in the U S open cup, we already did have one here with an MLS mm-hmm. team getting knocked out. Uh, New Mexico United led by a uh, former RSL striker, Devin Sandoval, <laughs> sends color sends the Colorado Rapids out in penalties uh, yeah. here in the fourth round. Um, dude, that's this is great... what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, Colorado's just trying to uh, write their season and they feel like it's an opportunity to take a deep breath here, but it's a no win situation for them. And it's a tricky game. Um, and, and now you're out. And the silver lining here is most people after this game say, well, at least at least we lost in the first round and now we don't waste a bunch of time, energy and effort getting to the semis and losing in the semis. But I still think that's the wrong approach. And if you're Colorado, that might be the only opportunity to play for a trophy this season, to be honest. Oh, exactly. Yes. I yes. Mean, yes. They had they had kind of righted the ship. I think they had gone five unbeaten since. And part of that was the, the win in Southern California against the Galaxy. But going into the break, it seemed like maybe they had found a little bit of mojo. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're knocked out in the first round of, of Open Cup against a lower tier team like well, New Mexico United. And Rogues, remember, uh, D.C. United, the worst team in MLS history that the, the season that they had. Ben Olsen saved his job probably by winning the, the Open Cup. And, you know, this is a tournament that the Philadelphia Union take really serious every single year. And um, Jimmy Curtin has gotten them into the final multiple times. And I, they've, they've just kind of it, it's the cup has eluded them. Uh, some of it from Tim Melia's strong playing goal in Kansas City over the last three seasons. Um, and uh, but, the, you know, for Jimmy Curtin, it bought him time. And so these coaches do, if you take the right approach, it, it can really help you out if your team's struggling. And then if your team is, is struggling, it gives them a little bit of confidence in league play, too. It's uh, it, it's funny that you would mention those two teams because actually today, uh, D.C. United knocked Philadelphia out of the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Wayne Rooney, a winner from the penalty spot in the 120th minute. 
to send the Philadelphia Union uh, out of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, the oldest competition in North American soccer. I will say this, and going back to my opening question for you about do you like it, do you not like it, uh, were you worried about those extra matches on your body? Uh, it is great when you have those stories where, uh, who was it? I think it was uh, Rochester Raging Rhinos years ago that that, that 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 went on a long run. Right. Uh, you you had the uh, the Cal FC team that yeah, went up all to team, right? went all those team that went up to uh, that went up to Portland and was able to to defeat the Timbers, uh, an MLS team against like a third division Cal Cal FC team guys that were just getting paid a couple hundred bucks per game. Right. Um, so so you get those kind of stories where you're like. You know, this is sensational that a, a, a high-grade men's league team can get into a competition like this and possibly get on a little run. Yeah, and that's that's what is so special about it, and it's it's probably understated. You know, like you watch the Colorado game tonight, and there's there's literally no one in the fan, and no fans in the stands, no one there. I mean, the place is empty. <laughs> um, and so the, the FA FA Cup uh, in in the UK is is so brilliant because they play these first legs um away so the smaller club hosts and those smaller clubs fill the stadiums um so sometimes it's six thousand folks filling a, a, a almost a high school looking stadium but it's full and it's atmosphere um so that's you know the next step is probably for the the fans to get behind this a little bit more and not not just in the later rounds Hey, you know, um, smaller stadium. Forget about forget about worrying about that. I mean, you might see a, the next Dan Kennedy step up all the way from the penalty spot and bury you know? one in a U.S. Open Cup game. You never know. <laughs> Talk about a no no win situation. <laughs> I'm just uh, glad I made it. Yeah, right. But I, I would like to see. I'm going to look that up. I would like to see some video of that. Uh, by the way, LAFC, uh, they get a three nothing win at Rio Tinto Stadium in their first Open Cup matchup of the year, taking down RSL. Both teams fielded pretty good uh, starting 11s. There was a couple of changes for LAFC in the 11 there. Uh, most notably, uh, Pablo Cisniega stepping in for Tyler Miller in goal. And um, but Vela again getting on the scoring sheet. So now he's got 17 in all competitions so far this year. Um, and LAFC, Dan, has said you mentioned there's a little bit of pub about them. They've they've said they're, they're after this. They they, they want to get after this trophy. But I think it, it speaks to how the team just wants to get their hands on any trophy. They get an opportunity to get close to this year. Yeah, I love this mentality. Um, and it, it, it shows you the confidence in the group. And I we've opened a little bit on this and, and let's dive into it. But. I mean, they're they're just they feel like they're so far ahead of everyone else in Major League Soccer that this should be a focus for them. It's right. I mean, if you if you approach this the right way, you all you have to do is win five games and you win the Open Cup. And the the prize for winning five games and winning the Open Cup, by the way, is the same or or marginally different than winning the MLS Cup and the Supporter Shield. So for the players, incentives-wise, it's 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 dead even, and it's five games, man, five games. Get hot, get focused, and and go make this thing happen. I mean, right now, LAFC are on 37 points. The next closest is 31 points, and it's Philadelphia Union, and they have a game in hand. I've I've watched I've watched a handful of Phillies games. They are not nearly as good as LAFC. They're playing in a weaker conference. Um, and I, I just don't see them maintaining the same form that they have through the second half of the season as this thing wears on. 
for what it's worth, the Galaxy also three nothing winners in their first appearance in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. They get past Orange County FC. No Zlatan Ibrahimovic in the lineup, but you mentioned the kid, 16-year-old Efrain Alvarez, uh, two goals for the good for LA Galaxy in that one. So uh, a good sign when you get youngsters out on the field, but not only get youngsters out on the field and they perform and get the job done. Yeah, and and. It's just, he's just a tricky player, man. He he's he's got a lot of quality with him. Alvarez, Efrain Alvarez, um, left foot special. He banged one in off the free off a free kick, and uh, he he's deceptive. He's deceiving, and he's he's got a lot of quality. The question is is can he he, he work the opposite side of the ball, and does he have a big enough engine to play 90 minutes in Major League Soccer? Certainly a couple of questions we'll be able to answer over the next coming months. Uh, From U.S. Open Cup, finally we shift gears and talk a little bit of uh, Women's World Cup here and and just just kind of want to breeze through it real quick in the sense that the U.S. had their first group match a couple of days ago taking on an overwhelmed Thailand team who was really just happy to be there in France as part of the uh, group of teams and nations that made their way over there to the 2019 Women's World Cup. Final score, Dan, as you know, 13 nothing Alex Morgan highlighting with five goals uh, kind of some record setting performances 13 nothing should they have pulled back at some point or are you okay with them running it up like that you know I, I thought about this and I, I've seen some I've seen some uh, some folks uh, you know getting getting a little wound up about it and both ways both and, ways yeah and rogues man I, I've been on the bat I've been on the wrong end of a six nil or six one or six two defeat whatever it was and I remember being, being uh, as a player, being pissed when they were celebrating, right? But they are entitled to that, man. I mean, you're talking about the World Cup. You're talking about, like, what do you dream? As a player, what do you dream of doing? You dream of making history, of breaking records. You dream of playing in the World Cup and having those moments, scoring five goals in a game. I mean, that's everything that you work for. So to say that you get to that stage and you're going to hold back, to me, that's that's naive. I mean, I, I think that you, you, after the game, go up and shake people's hands, but you're, you are there to win a World Cup. And th- if that team is so poor, you don't know what the other teams are going to do to them. So if you say, oh, you know what, 6 nothing, we're going to stop here, and then there's some tiebreak on goal differential— and because is, you didn't throttle, which is part of, which is yeah, part of it for winning the group, which is right. part of it for winning the group. Right. And, and you don't throttle down. And now you're either out of the now say, say it could drop you out of the next rounds or it could sit you up in a more difficult seed. Then it's your own fault. So you well, have to take this approach. I, I, I got I got I understand what you're saying, but I got to hop in and play devil's advocate here on a couple of points. And, and number one would be so Thailand. Chile and Sweden rounds out the rest of the group with the U.S. Um, I'm I'm not asking you to throttle back, but I'm asking you at nine nothing or eight nothing. Number one, you can't start playing possession and spreading the field because I believe that that is. I believe that is unwritten. I want to say unwritten rules within the game. Uh, That's this is part of this part (laughs) part part of this beautiful game. Part of the part of our game is 
not running it, not running it up. You were clearly better heads and shoulders above them. I mean, Jill Ellis could have stepped out on the field, the head coach of the team, and right. probably been. Well, she was a good player. Fit. Yeah, she's yeah. probably more fit than half the players in the world. But she could have stepped out there and buried, buried a couple in herself. So that's that's just number one for me, and, and people are going to disagree with that. But number two is, to me, this is – and you talked about goal differential and how that could be a deciding factor whether you finish one or two in the group because that is how it's going to be. It's going to be U.S. and Sweden as one, two in the group. To me, this is uh, a message that you are so worried about Sweden. That you're you don't think that you're gonna just be able to take care of Sweden on your own, and yeah, and because you're gonna beat Chile, Sweden beat Chile. They had a long delay. They ended up winning the game two nothing, and then you're gonna play them next. You're probably gonna. I'm honestly, it could be it could be another. It can be a five nothing, six nothing game again for the U.S. Women's National Team in that game. And now, then in your in your, I believe it's their final game of the group. They'll face off against Sweden. But the fact that they felt like they needed all those goals to make sure. To make sure, to me, if I'm Sweden, I'm sitting over there thinking they're worried that we might be able to run it up, that, that we're going to run it up too, and that we're going to give them a game and beat them. Watch what happens. Sweden's got to go for it. They have to hey, they go got, for they it. Got the, they got the former coach, P.S. Junhaga. Yeah. She led the U.S. women's national so, team to all sorts of heights. So so if 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 U.S., say, at 6-0, puts a foot on the brake and they win 6-0, Sweden's going to go out and beat them 7 so you had to do this. And and this is where like I, I just, you know, I to me, yeah, maybe you could dial back the celebration a little bit, maybe. But you know, this is this is historic. You could you couldn't have you couldn't have started playing possession at, at like yeah. nine. See, this is gross, dude. You you it, the, you are you're changing with society here, man. The society is getting <laughs> soft. <laughs> you're buying in. <laughs> you're buying in. Don't do it. <laughs> dude this is coming from the guy who played on the worst team in the history of major league soccer i i was a punching bag it, no problem dude that's <laughs> that, what i that's signed why up. you got recognized you that's got recognized what i signed because up because you were you were um, games that could have been three four, games that ended three four nothing could have been seven eight nothing because yeah. you stood on your yeah. head and made big time yeah. saves true and i and i loved it i loved the challenge you know, and there's there's some I mean, I can't imagine demoralizing long bus ride home. Brutal. But, man, that you you make it to a World Cup, bro. That's what it's about. Like you got to and, and in the end. Yeah. In the end, uh, the, those players on the team that got 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 pounded. I mean, it's brutal. But you got to go. And, you got to have a different plan of attack. Dude, park the yes, bus. Sir. I mean, New, I will, Zealand, New Zealand's men's team went to the 2012 World Cup and were undefeated. Tactics, the punch? Tactics. <laughs> Tactics. I, I will say this. It was class from the U.S. fans uh, as the Thailand players, some of them clearly very upset getting on the wrong end of a 13-0 loss. Uh, there was a huge contingency of U.S. fans that gave them a standing ovation. And I think that's, you know, that was – that was for me the moment that kind of brought it back and was like, all right, you know, that's certain. Hey, I know not everybody gets a trophy. I'm not saying everybody deserves a trophy, Dan. I, <laughs> yeah, you I, did. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I said, I'm kidding. I'm I kidding. said, have enough confidence in your team that you're good enough that you're going to still right. dominate the rest of the teams in your group and finish on top of your group. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure they do. But to me, it just it, it had a little wrinkle of that to me for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, it's t- it's tough, but man, I I just fall back on man, you're doing everything, everything you can do to uh, to make history here. So you can't, you know, you get you got to stay in that. It, Kobe would say you got to stay in that Mamba mode or whatever. 
Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, that's going to do it, buddy, I think, for this week. Next week, our uh, task is to uh, do a little uh, ear to the ground, see if we can come up with any names for uh, player movement for each of these two clubs, LA Galaxy and LAFC. And then also, uh, by next week, we will have kicked into the CONCACAF Gold Cup and an opportunity for us to discuss how the U.S. men's national team is looking under Greg Berhalter uh, in, 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 some of, good. in some of those games, some of those games. Yeah, yeah, not three, good no, so far, man. Three nothing loss to Venezuela. Is that was that what the final was? Well, so he started off. I think he's. I think he's done. I think he's had seven games in charge. Three nothing win. Two nothing win. One nothing win. Zero zero tie. One nil loss. Two nil loss. Three nil loss. <laughs> Landon, I, I, Landon told me this the other day when we were at uh, when we were at the uh, LA Galaxy Foundation Golf Tournament. Nice to see some, you there, buddy. By the way, so, somewhat trending in the wrong direction if you're uh, the red, <laughs> the red, white, and blue with results like that. So yes, we'll get an opportunity to talk a little bit of uh, Gold Cup next week. Uh, we'll continue the discussion about LAFC and the LA Galaxy as they get ready uh, later on this month to get back into MLS play. And uh, I, th- I think it's I think it's I think it's time we pull a guest back into the fold yeah, here. Yeah, I believe. It what, is, what, it's it's guest time. Where are you going to be next week? Uh, next week. That's right. That's right. Cabo Wabo. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! You've already had stagecoach. You've had Cabo weekends. You've. Hey, I mean, it's my it's my time. A little, 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 little family vacay. But but uh, have microphone will travel. There it is, there it is. Well, I expect there to be, uh, you know, skinny margaritas and pacificos in the background if we're doing a podcast with you and Cabo. Already prepping as we speak right now, buddy. <laughs> that a boy. <laughs> that a boy. All right, for DK and the rest of the folks here at the Believe Sports Podcast Network, I'm Mark Rogan Dino. Happy to have you along. Uh, make sure you tell your friends to click, subscribe, like. All that good stuff, and uh, we'll be back with more next week right here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.